Thanks, Sari and Christine. Uh, let me add my welcome to Martins. My name is Sean. Um, I'd also love to meet you afterwards if you're new. If you're returning, if you're back from holiday, great to have you with us again. I uh, hope you were all able to find some good, cool shade yesterday or get out to the beach. Um, great news is today's a fair bit cooler. Uh, let's pray as we come to look at this passage together, really challenging and, as Martin said, to some degree a difficult passage to, to believe and take on. It's fairly straightforward to understand, I think, but to really accept it, I think, is a, is a challenge. Let's pray and ask God to help us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're a God who loves us. Thank you that you're a God uh, who gave us the greatest gift of all in sending the Lord Jesus into this world, that we can be made part of your family, part of your kingdom. And we pray that you will help us today as we sit under your word. We pray that you'll equip us to be able to live lives that are worthy of you, that are worthy of being your children in this world. Uh, help us to be faithful followers, we pray. Amen. I'm sure all of us know the experience of buying something to find out it wasn't quite what we, what we had hoped. I end up being disappointed that it didn't quite live up to the expectations. Um, maybe uh, some of us have bought cars that just seem to be like the perfect deal, just too good to be true, only to find out within a year we've got to replace the clutch, the turbo, the gearbox, and we end up spending more on repairs than we did on the car. Or, or maybe it's the cell phone that you've been saving up for for years. You buy it uh, only to find out it's not much better than your four-year-old phone that you just sold for almost nothing. We always see these amazing online deals, whether it's one day only or take a lot, and you, you think, yeah, uh, really great, and you, you buy it. It arrives, and you're disappointed with the quality of it. Uh, advertisers really know how to sell us things. Over the last two weeks, we've been uh, looking at the section of Mark's Gospel and uh, John's Gospel in chapter 15 and 16. Uh, the, this wider section is, is known as the Upper Room Discourse. Uh, before this, Jesus has been sharing uh, his final meal with his disciples. And he's been teaching them what they are to expect uh, the world to be like. In chapters 13 and 14, uh, Jesus told his disciples that he is going to the Father, but that there is also going to be a delay in the full inauguration of his kingdom. In chapters 15 to 17, which is what we've been focusing on, uh, we've been, Jesus has been teaching his disciples what they are to expect and how they are to live in this world waiting for his return. So we've been thinking over the last two weeks at the start of 2022, what should our expectations be? What should, what should, how should we be living now, uh, waiting for Jesus' return? Uh, last week, we saw that if we want to live fruitful lives, then we are to remain connected to Jesus, to remain part of the true vine. That is the only way we will bear fruit in the year ahead. In the passage we're looking, today, looking at today, Jesus teaches his disciples what they are to expect from the world, how they are to expect the world to respond to their mission. And it's a, it's a very sobering message. 
and not one we really like to hear. As we think of our hopes and dreams of the year ahead, it's not really persecution, it's not really something we want to be thinking about. Being hated by the world is not really something we want for the year ahead. But it's a very important message. Jesus uh, teaches his disciples this because he wants to make sure that they have a right expectation of the world, that they don't end up being disappointed, thinking that the gospel has failed, uh, thinking that, well, they're just going to give up because it's not achieving what they expected. Have, have a look at verse 18. Jesus says, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. And down in verse 20, halfway through verse 20 there, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obey my teaching, they will obey yours also. As Jesus follows in this world, we must expect that the default response, the default response of the world will be hatred and persecution towards us. Now, this is not something we want to hear. It's not something I want to hear. I want people to like me. I want the world to think that I'm a nice person. I want people to, to value me, value my um, uh, contribution to the world. But if the reality is if we are followers of Jesus, then we must expect opposition. We must expect that the world will be hostile towards us. The word used for hate in verse 18 is a very, very strong word. Uh, it means to detest, abhor, uh, to persecute in hatred. It suggests an ongoing, sustained opposition, a hatred, a deep hatred. Now, in the world, there are many different types of persecution, and we all face some, we won't face others. We, we might not face others. There's violent persecution. In verse 2 of chapter 16, just have a look at it there. Jesus says, They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he's offering a service to God. Now, I take it this is not something that, that we're experiencing on a day-to-day occurrence in South Africa. In South Africa, we're mainly free from violent persecution for being followers of Jesus. But that's not true all over the world. Last year, I'm sure we, we all remember the terrible persecution that Christians faced in Afghanistan as the Taliban took over the country again. There's many other countries in the world, North Korea, Nigeria, Belarus, many of the, the Muslim countries, where we regularly hear of physical, violent persecution against Christians. Historically, hundreds of thousands of Christians have been killed for being followers of Jesus. Now, we don't know what the future holds in South Africa. We don't know, maybe in 10, 20, 30 years, uh, maybe we will face opposition. Maybe some of us sitting here will even be killed for our faith. 66 years ago yesterday, uh, Jim Elliott, Pete Fleming, Ed McCulley, 
Nate Saint, and Roger Yonderan were violently killed as they sought to take the gospel to people in Ecuador. Another form of persecution that we might face is opposition from the governing authorities. In many countries, laws are being passed that are anti-Christian, and following Jesus would mean that you are actively living against the laws of the country. Uh, our country itself is moving further and further uh, away from laws that are aligned with Christian morality. More and more uh, laws will be passed that will be in opposition to what God requires of us. I think it's fairly likely in the not-too-distant future, Christians will face more and more lawsuits. We've heard of a few over the last uh, few years. Uh, they may even face jail time because of what we believe or the way uh, we live in this world or the things we can or cannot do as followers of Jesus. Doctors refusing to perform abortions or other procedures based on their Christian conviction could lose their medical license, could end up in jail. Ministers teaching what the Bible says about various topics, include gender and ethics, and may face jail time branded as hate speech or discrimination. Teachers seeking to share the gospel with people uh, in their classrooms um, may uh, face losing their jobs or even jail time. Persecution can also come through religious establishments. Jesus makes it clear here that his disciples are to expect persecution from the Jewish religious establishment. Have a look at um, chapter 16, verse 1. I have told you this so that you will not fall away. They'll put you out of the synagogues. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he's offering a service to God. The Jewish leaders should have recognized Jesus as the promised Messiah, but instead they hated him, they persecuted him, they killed him, and they did the same to those who followed him. And they did this because they hated Jesus first. History is full of examples of great Christian movements who drifted away from the gospel and even ended up persecuting those who sought to hold on to the gospel message. Now, there's many more other subtle ways in which we could face persecution. Maybe it's not being accepted by friends and family, not getting the invite to a party because of being worried about what you might say to their friends. Maybe it's being passed over uh, for a promotion at work because you're outspoken about your faith in Jesus. Maybe it's being treated just uh, a little bit backward, a bit old-fashioned, being seen as intellectually backward because you are believing in something that's supposedly been disproven years ago. We must expect, as Jesus follows in this world, that we will face persecution, many different forms, but we will face hatred, opposition, and persecution. This passage, Jesus spends quite a bit of time explaining to his followers 
why they will face hatred and persecution. It's not because they've done something fundamentally wrong, but because the world hated Jesus. Uh, the second half of verse 18, just look, at, look back at it again. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. The world will hate us, will persecute us because it re- they rejected Jesus. In verse 23, whoever hates me hates my father as well. The world hates Jesus, hates the father, hates God. The world does not like the message of Jesus. And in verse 19, we do not belong to this world. Jesus called us out of this world. He's called us to belong to him, to be part of his kingdom, to be part of his people. We've had a change in identity, a change in who we are. And that means that we are different from the world. Our priorities are different from the world's priorities. Our moral standards are different from that of the world. The most fundamental elements of our world's view is different to that of the world. And the world doesn't like it. It sees us as different. If we belonged to the world, the world would have loved us. Facing persecution is part of being that transformed, changed person in this world. To some degree, it's evidence that God is at work in us, changing us, transforming us, making us different. Have a look at at verse 20. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. We are to expect the same treatment from the world as what Jesus had. We are his servants, we're his followers in this world. How can we expect to be treated in any other way than what Jesus was treated? They persecuted him and they will persecute us. But in verse 20, there's also some hope. Look at the second half of verse 20. If they, obey my te- if they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. Yes, there will be persecution, there will be opposition, but not from everyone. Not everyone will reject Jesus. Not everyone will hate his followers. Not everyone will reject his message. Some will hate and persecute us, but others will, uh, when they hear the word of God, will turn in repentance and faith, and they'll experience God's word as a beautiful, life-giving, transforming word. In chapter 16, Jesus tells us why we need to know this. 16 verse 1 says, All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They'll put you out of the synagogues. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. They will do such things because they hate, uh, because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. 
Jesus tells them so that they are forewarned, that they're forearmed. You know, if the disciples had expected that everything was going to be roses and candy floss after Jesus left, they would have got the shock of their lifetime as the message was rejected, as it was met with hostility. Imagine Peter, James, and John after Jesus' resurrection, going along enthusiastically, excited to share the gospel message, knowing that Jesus is the Messiah, the promised King, the Savior. And they think to themselves, we must tell the world of this fantastic news. They think, well, people are going to be so excited to hear that we've found the promised Messiah. So they run off to the temple and they start telling uh, people. But rather than being treated like heroes who brought this wonderful news, they are hated, they're thrown out of the temple, they persecute it. People try to kill them. What do you think, how do you think um, Peter, James, and John would have responded if they'd expected this uh, amazing turning of people? Maybe they would have tried a few more times, but if the outcome was cons consistently different to what they expected, they would have ended up deciding that the gospel isn't working, that the message of God, the gospel is a failure, and that they would give up. Jesus wants to make it perfectly clear how we are to expect the world to treat his followers, how we are to expect the world to respond to the message of the gospel. Forewarned is forearmed. As the disciples face opposition, as they face persecution, they keep going because Jesus warned them that it would come. They keep going because they know the power of the gospel to bring those who are Jesus' sheep to be part of his people. All of us want to be liked, and none of us are thrilled but by the idea of facing hatred and persecution. As we live for Jesus in this world, as we bear fruit, we'd love to see everyone excited about the message of the gospel. But Jesus told us in advance that we should expect persecution. And when it comes, when we face it, we mustn't be surprised, we mustn't be beaten down. We mustn't think that the gospel has failed. The gospel is at work. So what must we do as we face opposition? Well, in verse 26, Jesus says that the Spirit will come and testify about him. God is at work in this world through his word, through his Spirit. We've not been left alone in this world to fight by ourselves. The Spirit is testifying about Jesus. The Spirit is bringing people to salvation as they hear his word. Yes, there'll be opposition, there'll be rejection, there'll be hatred, but there'll be great turning as the Spirit works, bringing people to salvation. Two years after um, the death of Jim Elliot and the other missionaries, Jim Elliot's wife, Elizabeth Elliot, and Nate Saint's sister, made contact with the people in Ecuador. They started a movement there that led to all those who, who had killed uh, the missionaries coming to faith in Jesus. The Bible was translated into their local language, and many people have been converted as they've heard the good news. God is at work in this world. Even as we face opposition, 
even as we face hatred. We must remember that and hold fast to that. The Spirit is working in this world. Verse 27, we see the job of the disciples. Jesus says to them, you must also testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. The job of the disciples is to testify about Jesus. And as they do that, as the Spirit works, people are converted. We too must proclaim the good news of Jesus as his followers in this world, of him crucified to a dying world that desperately needs to hear that message. Now, when it comes to persecution, I think there's, we can classify ourselves in one of three groups, and maybe we fit into multiple of these groups. There are some Christians who face hatred and persecution for the wrong reasons. Uh, they face hatred, they face opposition, they face rejection, maybe because they're just argumentative and enjoy a good argument. They're not really caring for those that they're talking to. Um, maybe it's a bit of Bible bashing, not really loving those they're sharing the message with. Maybe they're out to look for persecution. Then there are Christians who, doesn't, who don't really experience much persecution. I guess for many of us, we fall into this, this category. Now, there's two possibilities here. One is that in God's grace, people are not offended by the message of the gospel, not as offended as they have been or will be in different times and places. Maybe it's a time where we're seeing good fruit coming as the gospel message is proclaimed. There's a second option. Maybe we're not really living as transformed people in this world. Maybe we're not really living as different in this world. Maybe being chameleon Christians, just blending in. On Sunday, uh, when other Christians are around us, we look like we're living as followers of Jesus. But what about at the workplace, at school, at university? Are we living distinct from the rest of the world? Or are we just blending in? Would your friends, your work colleagues, your classmates be surprised to hear that you're Christian? Are you living distinctly, differently, transformed lives because of the transforming work of the Spirit in your life? Or are you just an undercover Christian, just blending in with the rest of the world? The third option is Christians who are seeking to live faithful lives as a follower of Jesus, uh, prioritizing things that are different to the world's priorities, seeking to tell others about the good news of Jesus, even if that means opposition, seeking to live out a godly life in submission to Jesus as Lord. At times there will be mocking, at times there will be exclusion, rejection, there may be violent opposition. Jesus came into this world to make us part of his people. He died on the cross so that we can be forgiven. He was hated. He was rejected. He faced persecution. As his followers in this world, we too will face opposition, hatred, and persecution. But God is at work. His spirit is at work achieving his purpose. As we face that opposition, hold fast to God's work in this world. 
hold confident to the work that he is doing. Don't ever think that the gospel has failed because the world opposes us. The world hated Jesus and the world will hate us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that Jesus was willing to come into the world that would hate him, that would reject him, that would persecute him. But despite that, he willingly came to suffer, to die, that we can be forgiven, and that he rose, giving us the hope of eternal life with you, knowing the future that's coming. Father, we pray that you will help us as we live in this world. Help us to live as faithful followers of the Lord Jesus. Father, when there's opposition, when there's hatred and persecution, help us to hold fast to the gospel. Help us not to doubt your work in this world, but to keep going and to keep trusting in Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Let's stand and sing together.